0: You only have to say the words, the Greek Isles, and you might have visions of sun-bleached houses, shoulder-to-shoulder against a fragrant hillside, with a mesmerizing view of a glittering sea. When you consider that there are more than 200 Greek Isles with people living on them, and more than 1,000 altogether in the Aegean and Ionian seas, you'll soon realize your Greek island fantasy requires a little planning to make sure you match up your expectations with what you'll find. Here to help us prepare for adventures in the Greek Isles are two experts who've been introducing travelers to the delights of Greece for years now. Anastasia Gaetanou is based in Thessaloniki, and while David Willett may have an Australian accent, his heart is firmly planted in Greece, where he's long-led tours and written guidebooks. David and Anastasia, thanks for being here. Thank you. Good to be here, right? Anastasia, when you think of an American going to Greece, of course they're going to go to Athens, and then they want to get a dose of the islands. But always, like Americans, we want to see so many things, but we don't have enough time. How do you sort through all the islands? What are your options? Uh, where would you recommend?
1: Well, I think that the easiest way is to take a ferry, mm-hmm. either from the port of Piraeus, which is the main port of Athens, or the port of Rafina, that's um, the port at the east coast, outside of Athens, depending on which island you want to go. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, the two major islands all people want to go are Mykonos and Sandorini, and there is a reason why. I mean, they're beautiful. But there is so much more
0: to oh, yeah. see. And most Americans going on a cruise ship, those are the two islands they stop, Mykonos and Santorini. Consequently, those islands are really built up for tourism. David That's Willett, true. when you're thinking about the Greek islands as just a primer, what are the, the different groups of the islands? Well, there's a number of island chains,
2: and each are quite separate and have a character of their own. Undoubtedly, the most famous are the Cyclades, the Cyclades, mm-hmm. of which uh, Mykonos and Santorini are the best known. But uh, every island has its own feel, and each island group is, uh, is quite different, too. An island is not just another island. Everyone An island is not group. just another island. Every island has its own culture, traditions, similar
0: architecture within uh, groups. But uh,
2: otherwise, there's no two islands are the same.
0: So if you—I mean, there's probably hundreds of islands. If you were just going to choose three islands and choose them for their diversity— you wanted three distinct islands from different parts of Greece. What three islands might we consider?
2: I would start with Naxos, which is my favorite of the Cyclades, because it has a bit of everything. If you like beaches, and I don't like beaches, Naxos, I think, has some of the best in the Cyclades. It also has history going way back to Mycenaean times. There's, uh, I think, 1,500 BC to be found there. There's a wonderful Venetian castle. There's traditional Cycladic architecture. It has everything, and it it is a real community. It also has excellent food. Naxos cheese is uh, some of the best you'll find in Greece, and Naxos is also famous for its lamb, highly prized at Easter time. Sounds like a vacation in itself right there. What's another island? Another favorite is Rhodes, Mm. or Rhodos. Mm -hmm. And I love Rhodos because of the magnificent old wall town built by the Knights of St. John. So this is a crusader city. It's a crusader city, yes, or an offshoot of the crusaders. So this
0: is like medieval as can be. If this you have is, this it's, quintessential idea of a European medieval uh, walled city or something, this might be it.
2: Rhodes fits the bill just perfectly. Beautifully. And it's very close to Turkey, isn't it? It's You can get to Turkey quite easily from there. You get to either Fethiye or to Marmara. So there's ferry boats going from Rhodes to Turkey. Yes. All right. So there's two islands, Naxos and Rhodes. The other one I would add, well, some people will debate whether it's actually an island or not, Crete. It is an island, but it's right. big enough to be you know, a separate <laughs> a country. Island, yeah. A separate country. Well, that's of course where the Minoan civilization uh, rose. So, it's got fabulous ancient sites, some good beaches, wonderful Venetian mm. castles, fortifications and a very distinct culture of its own. People still very proud of their traditions. In Crete. So, yeah, these Cretans. Cretans. Are they yes. Cretans? Is that uh, where this word comes from? Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, well, I think we're confusing cretin Old French, and, oh, okay. uh, and, and someone from Crete who is... Uh, Thank goodness. Yeah, so, so Cretans uh, like that are not populating the island of people Crete. People will say very proudly, I am Cretan, so you mustn't laugh.
0: <laughs> okay, mustn't laugh. I'm sorry. Uh, you are Cretan. Very good. <laughs> hey, uh, in Crete, we've got what I find... the one of the most memorable hikes anywhere in Europe, the Gorge of Samaria. Talk about that.
2: Well, the Samaria Gorge is the most famous. The whole southern coastline or the west, southwestern coastline has, has lots of gorges. Mm. Uh, and there's others that uh, I think are much nicer because really... The Samaria Gorge these days, it's like queuing up to go through the El Fizzi Yeah,
0: It's convenient because you ride a bus to the very top and then you spend all day walking downhill to get to this lovely beach. Yes, And from there you can catch a boat around and catch a bus then back to your starting point. But that's the classic sort of obvious one that all the tourists go to. What would be an alternative to the Samaria Gorge that might be nicer?
2: There are others which are just to the east of there. I think it's the Imbros Gorge, which is uh, also very nice, but far less visited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there
1: is also the, the Gorge of the Dead. Yes, mm-hmm. we call it like that. At it's, at at not, at it's not. It's uh, not. Yes, it's on
0: Crete. The Gorge yeah. of the Dead. Yeah, that's and how the, they call it. Of the what, dead What man. would that hike be like then, Anastasia?
1: It's on uh, about two hours mm-hmm. hike. It's a beautiful gorge. Is In it the,
0: downhill going down it's to the... downhill, like, yes, So you, you start at the downhill. top, you, you take a, a road to the uh, top of the you thing. You start at the top, And then yes, you hike you down, go down this gorge all the way to the south coast.
1: Mm-hmm, that's true. And then at the end of the gorge and very close is that beautiful site of the ancient palace of Zacros, what's left of it, but it's um, really That's a nice very reward for your two-hour hike then. It is, and there is a beach also quite near, so you can combine all of it.
0: Now, Anastasia, David just talked about Naxos, Rhodos, and Crete as three distinct Mm. islands. They all sound interesting. What would you add to those islands? If you were going to Naxos, Rhodos, and Crete, how would you be sure to enjoy them?
1: Well, to be honest, I don't think of Crete as an island. It's too big for my taste. (laughs) It's more like a separated mainland. (laughs) Okay, so Crete
0: is like too big for an island, okay. Yeah,
1: it's a bit too big. Uh, I think it's the fifth biggest of the Mediterranean, if I remember well. I would take Lesbos definitely. It's an island of the northeastern Aegean Sea. I like that island very much because it's quite big, but you still have the feeling that you're on an island, that you're surrounded by the sea. And the northwest is completely different than the southeast of the island. The northwest is a volcanic landscape. You think that you're on the moon Mm -hmm. sometimes and uh, there are, again, some uh, fortresses and castles dating back to the 16th century in, uh, by the crusaders. Venetians as well have been there. And there are some beautiful long sandy beaches there. There are mountains. And then the northeast, yeah, northeast and southeast, uh-huh. is completely different. It's very green. Yeah, that's On the lot, island of Lesbos you're yeah, talking that's about? It's the same island, always the same island. And there are bigger and smaller coves there. It's really beautiful and combines everything. The city is quite modern, but there are beautiful old mansions. And the city
0: is named Lesbos also? The city
1: is, uh, no, the city is named Mytilene.
0: Because in a lot of islands, the name of the town is the same as the yeah. island, isn't it?
1: Well, in this particular case, many times the name of the city will be used for the island itself because sometimes Lesbos has different connotation.
0: What is the, the connection? Because people think of lesbian and lesbos. Is there a connection there?
1: Yes, there is a connection. Lesbian is actually primarily the uh, uh, inhabitant of lesbos. But it has to do with Sappho, who was uh, a woman poet who lived in the 7th century BC. And we only have fragments of her poets. But in older days, the interpretation was not exactly correct. And people thought that she loved girls more So this poet from
0: 2,700 years ago uh, from the island of Lesbos gave us the term lesbian because we misinterpret her poetry to think that she loved women. Interesting. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're exploring the Greek seas with David Willett and Anastasia Gaitanou. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. Ronald's on the phone in Broadbrook, Connecticut. Ronald, thanks for your call.
3: Yeah. Hi, Rick. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate the work that you do with your books and your shows. We really enjoy them. We actually have been to Athens on a cruise, but uh, we're getting uh, to go actually spend a week on Paros. And we're thinking, gee, that's one of the islands. We're going to leave, obviously flying to Athens, probably hit, obviously, Mykonos, Santorini, but we wanted to spend a week. We have a chance to spend a week in in a an apartment on Paros. So we're interested to try to get involved more with the culture, the food, and the history there. How would we best do that? First of all, I guess, is the island exciting? Is there things to do there? And how would we spend the full week
0: on an island? So this is Paros, P-A-R-O-S, and you certainly don't need to spend a full week because Paros, if I remember correctly, is kind of a transportation hub. There's plenty of ferries going in and out of Paros. David, what are some ideas for Paros?
2: The main town is attractive, um, but otherwise... For me, it's an access point to Naxos.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, I uh, remember it as a ch- place where you change ferries and, yes. and this sort of thing, and I had to. I was stuck there for a night. But if I had a free trip to Paros, I'd think I'd use it as a springboard to go somewhere else. Where would you go from Paros?
2: Well, over to Naxos. It's
0: uh, right 40 minutes away. 40 minutes to Naxos. David Willett, he wrote the book on Greece. That's his favorite island in all of Greece, I think.
2: But Paros itself, the big attra- one of the big attractions there is windsurfing. But... Uh... If you're not into windsurfing.
1: If you have the apartment in Paris and you're staying there anyhow, there are some things that you can do there as well. And what would that be? One day we'll definitely have to rent a car if you don't have uh-huh. one and do um, a round trip around the yeah. island. I would start with the south of the island. I would go to a little port called Aliki. There is a, a small museum there with models of um, lots of sightseeing, attractions, etc. There's a real crazy guy uh, who owns it, and he'll explain everything, and he's really great. And then there is uh, the so-called area of the, uh, of the butterflies. Most probably you won't see any butterflies, but it's a nice landscape there. And then I would return and go to um, there where the ancient quarries used to be. That's a place called Marathi, which means fennel. So lots to do on Paros. Uh, there's, there's on do. any
0: island, you can get out and explore the far reaches of the island, far away from the main transportation hub. Yeah, and then, you can do and that. you don't need famous sites. You just you're fi- you're finding quintessential Greece. Really, a little humble town with just enough commerce to get you a nice salad and some fresh seafood and mm-hmm. play a little backgammon and uh, enjoy yeah. the beach.
1: Go to the um to the wonderful. village in the mountains. Yeah. It sounds like wonderful, that.
0: doesn't it, Ronald? Thanks for your call, Ronald. Yeah. Good luck, Paria and my Okay, bye now. Valerie's checking in with us from Kildare, Illinois. Hi, Valerie.
3: Hi. Well, I wanted to uh, jump on the Naxos bandwagon if I could. I was going there just for a couple days on my way somewhere else, and I decided to stay instead of two days, eight days. Why? It was just so easy. I had been to Santorini before, which, of course, is superlative and beautiful, but challenging to get around. Everywhere, it costs a fair amount of money. It was difficult to get around. I mean...
0: Did you find I, uh, Naxos less expensive than Santorini?
3: Totally. In fact, when I arrived at the port, I had booked online to a pension, and there was a guy there waiting to pick me up. Yeah. And so I didn't have to, you know, drag stuff around. I wasn't, I was about a 20-minute walk from the main port. It was an easy walk, not so easy with a bag, of course, but yeah. every day I would walk in and have lunch or go to the Castro up on the hill One day, I took a day trip to Mykonos and Delos instead of staying there. Easy, easy, like catching a bus. Hmm. Um, Another day, I took a day trip to the northern side, and um, I will mispronounce this terribly, I'm sure, Apollonius near the Coros.
0: She got it right. Uh, David said you got that pronunciation. You know, one thing that you've mentioned, Valerie, which I think is so uh, insightful is you've got a real community. This is what David mentioned, a real Hmm. community in Naxos. Or if you go to Santorini... It's all just based on tourism, I think. Uh, But I
3: met lovely people there, but there was more frictional cost to get to see the sites. Just every time you wanted to do anything, it was like, (laughs) eee, do I want to stand in line to get this bus?
0: You're talking about Santorini. Right. In
3: Knoxville, there was a bus to some outlying beaches, and I did this without a car because I'm afraid to rent cars when I'm alone. And so I got to outlying beaches using public transportation with no difficulty. Now,
0: one thing I really enjoyed doing, I once went to a little island called Lipsy off of Samos, and there's almost nothing on Lipsy. I just hired a guy in the main town to drive me to the other side of the island and leave me there, and I arranged for him to come and pick me up later, and I just had an afternoon on the beach, and it was very peaceful, but I didn't have my own car, but I, I asked this guy to drop me there and pick me up. David, is that still a way for travelers to, to get somewhere or, or is that a common sort of thing on an island that doesn't have a lot of bus service? It's
2: an easy way to go around things. Yes, if you're not willing to hire a, a motorbike or a car, yes, that's easily easily done. Locals
0: are adept at coming back at an, at an appointed time. And uh, they're, well,
2: they're well used to the needs of tourists. And yeah. Everywhere you find people speak excellent English, so communication on the islands is never a problem. You don't need to be able to speak Greek.
0: Nice. Valerie, does that give you some ideas then? Certainly. Okay, thank you very okay. much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Debbie's on the phone in Wyckoff, New Jersey. Debbie, thanks for calling about Greece. What's on your mind?
4: Hey, Rick. Um, it's just coincidental. I just booked a cruise from leaving from Venice, and we did want to just experience some of the uh, Greek islands, figuring a good way to do it by cruise, So we're going to Corfu, and then we of course, Mykonos and Santorini. My question basically was, I don't really know much about Santorini or Mykonos. Those are my two um, major islands that I really wanted to try to, you know, get into. I noticed that they have the excursions from the cruise ship, and I don't know, besides being so crazy expensive, they they don't really—I just like to walk and kind of explore it on my own. Your opinion, I mean— uh, we're, my husband and I, you know, we've been to Europe, and we'll just take a bus and just go, you know, to where we need to go. Do I need yep. to take, Should would you recommend taking a an excursion with them because you only have like five hours?
0: Debbie, I was just in Santorini and Mykonos on a cruise ship, and when you come into Santorini or Mykonos on a cruise ship, you're with thousands of other people. You've got limited time. You want to see all these famous viewpoints. I ended up taking the excursion because that was let me be the first person off the ship, which saved me a lot oh, of time. Okay. And then I also took the excursion knowing I really didn't need it for the information, but I needed it for the efficient transportation connections. And I just thought of it as, it was expensive, but it got me directly to this town, and then they had an hour there, and I did my own thing, and then I got on the bus and went directly to the next town and then did that, and I just used it like a hop-on, hop-off bus, kind of. But certainly, when you go to these places, you could use public transit. I would say for most cruisers, if you got five hours in Santorini, the problem is you're there when everybody else is there, and you're going to have a lot of aggressive local people taking advantage of you and taxis and that sort of thing, and you might find it just more relaxing and efficient to take the excursion. In the case of Mykonos, I literally jumped ship in Mykonos, and one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced was being on Mykonos, inundated with cruisers, and then watching them all go back onto the ship and sail away. And then I was all alone on Mykonos. And after 2,000 people leave Mykonos, that island takes on a different personality. Oh, Um, (laughs) yes, that's...
4: That's the way to do it. I wish I had... That's why we thought we'd take a little taste of the island and um, decide which we liked better and definitely return and try to live like a local Well, when you
0: come in with a cruise ship, it makes everything extremely touristy. It's like the locals are laid back and the cruise ship is here and everybody is into high gear to make their money off you and then the cruise ship's gone and they relax again. And that's the nature of cruising. I I really enjoyed the cruising, but I'll tell you, uh, it's a different experience to be on these places without the cruise ship and there are lots of islands that don't have that cruise ship intensity that you can enjoy where I'm sure you would you'd find you'd get a, a more relaxing and better experience.
4: Right. Oh, wow. Well, I will. I, I, I appreciate your um, suggestion. I will... Um with the excursion, I was just torn between it because it was a wine tasting in one of them. I don't recall if it was Santorini or not. I didn't need to go to a wine tasting. Right. I want to walk around the streets, but they all seem to have the same kind of a venue. I they did. Thought...
0: I I thought the wine tasting in Santorini was kind of unnecessary, but it came with it. And then, but I wanted to get up to the viewpoints and the different islands, and it, it was that's
4: to... right. That's where. it was. Okay, so you know what, Rick? <laughs> Thank you. I will. I will do the because um, so, it did say it'll take you to the viewpoint where. You know, of course, we're not going to be there for sunset, but the most beautiful sunset, whether it was on Mykonos or Santorini, but um, all different view areas. Hey, Do I'll tell you one it? thing
0: in, in Santorini, that's the one place we had a tender where, you know, the little boats take in from the big ship and be the last person on that last tender going back to the ship because it's so delightful to have that last hour on Santorini after everybody else is back on the ship. Oh, yeah. And, uh, wow, if, you know, if that's, just, that's yes, a good tip. All right, yes. Debbie, thanks for your call. <laughs>
4: much. I appreciate that. Thanks again.
0: Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been exploring the Greek Isles with Anastasia Gaetano and David Willett, and clearly there's a world of travel fun to enjoy in the romantic islands of Greece. We've just scratched the surface. If we can close just by asking David and Anastasia one of your favorite moments. I'll I'll tell you mine. It's on the island of Idra as the sun goes down, having a glass of ouzo, watching the shipping go by from a little port called Kameni around the corner from the main town in Idra, just so peaceful and quiet, and especially in the magic hour as the sun's going down, you know you're in the right spot. David, what's a, what's a favorite spot for you to be in the Greek
2: Isles? Uh, look, I'm thinking now what are my funniest moments on the Greek islands when uh, I took my 16-year-old son, who's a mad keen soccer player, to watch Pan-Naxiakos, one of the main soccer teams on Naxos that plays in a Greek league, playing a team from, uh, from the mainland. And the referee gave a yellow card to one of the local players, whereupon the local coach ran out onto the field with a cigarette hanging from his mouth, chasing the ref, throwing punches. The ref... (laughs) The crowd was all throwing their water bottles at the ref, and at the end of the game, my son and I were
0: the only ones with water bottles. A soccer game on the island of Naxos. Now, there's a surprise. I didn't expect that, but that sounds like a lifelong memory. Anastasia?
1: One of my favorite places is also on Naxos. It's um, an old tower house that has been renovated, and it's, uh, it's in Galanados. that's how it's, the place is called, and it's run by a wonderful family, and usually we meet with friends there. Uh, most of them surfers and cute-looking boys, have to tell you. But anyway, and they have a beautiful terrace, and usually we go there when it's full moon, warro, and sunset, and they have this amazing wine labeled the Yellow Donkey. Right? And uh, just sitting there with friends, uh, looking at the sunset, and I believe, according to my humble opinion, that Naxos has a far more beautiful sunset than Sandorini. But right. anyway looking at the sunset, drinking yellow donkey, you know, among the <laughs> <And your> friends. Drinking <laughs> yellow just, donkey
0: with the sunset. And just I, wonderful. I think it's clear there are beautiful sunsets. Mm. All Being on the Greek Isles tunes you in to the wonderful, glorious finale of every day as the sun's going down. You can almost understand why those ancient Greeks thought so much of the sun god. Oh, yeah. Good old Helios. Helios. Yes. All right. David Willett, Anastasia Gaitanu, thank you so much for sharing an insight into the Greek Isles. <laughs> thank you, Rick. Thank you. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. His classic, Europe Through the Back Door, teaches the skills of smart travel. Along those same lines, Europe 101, History and Art for the Traveller, is a must-read for anyone who appreciates Europe's rich history and great art. To learn more about Rick's books, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.